Welcome to the Anywhere Office. Hi, this is Phil Montero of the AnywhereOffice.com, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. This episode is part of our 13-part series, Telecommuting in the 21st Century, How to Implement or Improve Virtual Teams and Flexible Work in Your Organization. Our panel includes myself, Jeff Zabar, founder of ChiefHomeOfficer.com, who will be facilitating the discussion, and Rachel Hastings, vice president of WFCResources.com. Today, in the 13th and final part of our series, our panel of experts answer questions from those who attended the teleseminar. Jeff, bring on the questions. Let's take a couple questions from the field. Um, we have a question from Chuck who says, we have a situation where someone who teleworks three days a week, uh, but their quality has been declining due to family issues. How do you or how do you take telework elements away from an employee who has grown accustomed to it? So uh, who wants to take a, take a look at that first? Can I step in there? Because Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm really sad that the immediate response is to take something away. Um, family issues, that's going to affect your employee, whether they're working in the office or whether they are um, from home full-time or part-time. That person could be in it suffering from presenteeism if you stick them back in the office because they're so distracted mentally from what's going on. So number one, is there anything that you have in terms of uh, work-life support to assist this person? Do you need to help them with childcare or backup childcare, elder care or backup elder care, even if it's only resource and referral information that you are offering rather than services or discounts or anything like that? Do they need to be talking to the EAP? Do they need some financial um, counseling at this time? Um, do, do they need to be written up for, you know, mixing childcare in with their work situation and promise not to do it again before you terminate it. You know, let's look at how you need to go about that. So, you know, perhaps take a more paced approach. And I can't obviously see exactly what the issue is there, Chuck, but I hope that answers the question a little. Bill, do you have any thoughts along those lines? Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I think that that's part of it. Again, it really depends on what kind of family issues. But I think anytime you're having trouble with, with any teleworker when it comes to you know, their performance, uh, regardless of whether it's family issues or anything else, I, I think it is important to make them aware of it, you know, have a formal process. That's why it's important to get feedback on an ongoing basis. Let them know that you're, you're being challenged with this. And it's, you know, it's, if it is something that that they can control and you've told them about it, it's it's certainly okay to say, and I've seen it in many organizations where they say, okay, you know, if this continues to be a problem, we're going to have to ask you to, to not work outside the office or only work one day a week or whatever it is. But I think as long as you kind of make them aware of that and they're forewarned uh, and then keep the communication channels open, then, then I think you can approach it that way. Here's another question we have from Agnes. said, what are ways to set up a telework situation which brings out the best from small individual contractors who start and stay teleworkers the whole time. Um, interesting, uh, you know, they're contractors, so I don't know how they, you know, th th that's not a traditional telework situation if they're independent, if I'm reading it correctly, an independent contractor who might be out on their, on their own or working from the location. Um, Phil, if you're understanding the question, do you have anything to, to toss along those lines? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I'm completely understanding, but I think one of the challenges with the, and, and it, it is becoming more typical that you are telecommuting or your virtual teams are made up of people that you don't necessarily have uh, as direct control over as you do employees. But I think it still would be worthwhile to, um, 
you know, to set up some ground rules and have that discussion. I, it really, again, it, to me, it comes down to communication. I think if you, you have the right technology in place so that people, even though they're contractors, can share information. There's, there's plenty of web-based virtual office spaces where you could, you know, uh, expose certain documents or certain folders to those people that are outside your organization that you need to collaborate with. And I think having an open discussion about here's how our teamwork is going to work and here's how we're going to, to work on an ongoing basis, uh, you know, th that those things would be very valuable in order to, to make sure, again, that everyone is clear. Clear expectations, I think, and clear goals are, are, are a big part of it. Right. Rachel, any thoughts along those lines? I think there are a couple of things that you can do to reduce the virtual gap of people who don't feel like a cohesive team. You know, there are, you can get on a call uh, like this. You can put each other's photos up there and, you know, chat, introduce yourself so at least people can put a face to the others that they're not seeing. If you can get together for one meeting um, together, that could be a, a, another good thing to do. That encourages um, relationships. Also, um, there are some organizations, I believe it's uh, Aetna, who has a Friday noon water cooler chat online um, and by phone as well, which is encouraged so that folks can just, you know, imagine that they're standing around and, and talking about stuff. The virtual water great, cooler. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. There are some fun things you can do. Uh, here's a question from Cliff. He says, I realize workers' comp laws are state-driven. Can you provide some points we need to consider in terms of insurance? Safety inspections of the work, uh, the home work site, etc. Um, Rachel, any thoughts along those lines? You know, I'm going to pass on that one for the moment. I'm not feeling like that is really my point of expertise. I would say that probably falls to HR, given that it's an individual situation. We we did speak, and, and Phil alluded to um, the OSHA. Uh, instance that came up, and I remember that very well. It was the late 1990s, and, and people felt that because OSHA guidelines they thought were going to be pushed out to the home office, and in fact, it was a reading and interpretation of an OSHA law or rule that ultimately got retracted and restated such that people, and again, think about the late 1990s, this was not a time when, when it, you know, homework and telework was taking off, but it was not as pervasive as it is now. So it really scared a lot of people, and they, they pulled back on that. But yes, it, I think this is a question that gets directed to HR because, again, state by state, it can be different, and HR or legal are versed in these situations. So they're the ones who would, who would probably be best versed to answer this in a given state and location where you may be. Um, but again, you want to keep it as far as safety inspections. Um, you want to make sure that you have a, a home-based workplace. Your employees have home-based workplaces that are comfortable, that are um, safe, that you don't have cords and wires and, and electrical, uh, you know, an opportunity or a chance of a spark or a, 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 uh, a fire, for example, um, that it's a safe location because obviously situations can arise um, that, that could cause, you know, great tragedy. Um, additionally, do you allow, and it's one thing we sort of breezed through earlier, but do you allow non-employee visits or do you allow employee or vendor or contact contractor or client visits to the home-based workplace when that teleworker is working from home. Uh, that's a decision you have to, to decide internally and say, no, we don't. You, if you're going to meet somebody, it's got to be at a telework center. It's got to be at our offices. You know, don't schedule visits to the home office um, because of any number of threats or situations that could arise. Here's one more from Cliff. He said, since this concept came around on the late 80s and, and early 90s, what has changed and what have we learned um, from the pioneers? And if I may uh, take a quick stab at something like that, um, I think what we've what what we've discovered is that, you know, it is fluid. 
and it is something that evolves over time and changes. And, and just as in the late 80s and 90s, we didn't have the internet. You had, you had Prodigy, which was sort of an email address of ABC123 at Prodigy.com or whatever the case may be, to the point that we all, we can have email, you know, have, have our own vanity email addresses or we have it through corporate and we have, we have handheld devices, PDAs that allow us to get email anywhere in the world, uh, for that matter. Um, and, and so much has evolved and it really is important to stay Stay atop the trends. Use the best technology that enables you to to, to find the balance and work productively. Um, heighten efficiency. Uh, make sure that you stay true to the organization, but stay true to some of the realities of, of HR. And I know we're saying this isn't just an HR situation, but but you know you don't let people who aren't going to work well from home work from home, and you don't let you don't force people to do so um, who who may not want to be there. I mean, I, again, I begrudge nobody who wants to put on a suit and tie and commute to the corporate office every day. There are thousands, millions of people who dig that workplace, and that's great. And I think that one thing we've learned is flexibility remains key, but you know what? This is a mobile, very fluid environment that uh, people work from home. They work from, you know, vacations. You know, might take an extended vacation, but eke out a little time to get some work done while they're there. Um, you know, be open to the possibilities of what can unfold and, 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 you know, what can aid the organization, but while also seeing that, you know, sometimes you need to reel some of this. this if you see Bob is working too much from a vacation or at all, say, Bob, you know what, I'm ordering you to put that handheld back in the case, put it in FedEx, ship it back to me so I know I have it, because I want you to have some fun on your vacation. Because step as away we said from before, the BlackBerry. Get a step away from the BlackBerry. Okay, put your hands up. Well, the, the Crackberry. Is the Crackberry, exactly. Exactly. You know, I like the fact that as an, organi an organization as big as IBM has had to do some very public learning, because their original teleworkers would joke that IBM stood for I'm by myself. Right. And they were just right. out on a limb, you know, they were just kind of working from home and hello, who are you? And now IBM has a series of social clubs which exist to join teleworking employees and non-teleworking employees together outside of work. So right. these people feel networked back into the organization. So that was great. They recognized all this grumbling and criticizing that was going on. They did something. Phil, do you have any, uh, any, any answers or, you know, to, to wrap up on some of the, the, that concept we were just talking about? Rachel, you really hit the, hit the nail on the head there, particularly if you're working with people who are teleworking more often than just a few days a month. Uh, you know, for some virtual teams and teleworkers, they are remote and they're collaborating with people that they maybe only see once or twice a year. And, and I, I always stress that it's not it's not a technology thing. We work with people we know, like, and trust. And that's how one of the, the issues that a lot of people have is how do we maintain trust with telework? By getting people, by focusing some on that informal communication. I think if there's any one thing, if you look at the world today and just what the buzz is about with things like Twitter and Facebook, it's this social element. There is high-tech, high-touch. People are using the technology to reconnect with people. And there's so many ways now available to do that that I think that's what you're finding is that, as you mentioned, that the companies, you know, that are struggle that might have struggled and what we've learned from them is that you do need to, to pay attention to the team building and the informal communication and the water cooler and all those things that make a team feel like a team. 
so how do you you know, you create that that perception or that feeling of togetherness and presence? And I think a lot of that again it, it's, it's by, by having a, a things that would happen organically before. You may have to find ways to nurture or use some of your technology in more thoughtful ways, putting photos up there, using the conference call or the the WebEx meeting for people to share share more information about themselves and and find ways to to use it in that way. And I think one last one last thing to keep in mind along those lines is 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 make sure that especially if somebody works from home, whether it's five days a week, whether it's the majority of the time, we have those events where they come in say, you know what, Phil, we're gonna ha- we're having a an all hands meeting or we're having a an event on Friday to celebrate you know Rachel's birthday, although we don't know what year it is, we're gonna celebrate the birthday nonetheless. Why don't you come on in and let's have some fun or we're doing a we're doing a party or we're doing whatever and and make sure that you you keep those people included um, in 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 the the fabric of the organization. It is very easy to feel isolated and to feel removed and to be. I don't want to say forgotten, but you know, the, for the organization to to say, not even to say anymore. Where's Phil today? Oh, it's his telework day. It's just natural that he's not there. So make sure that you work to keep them involved. And I think that that's that's important, and that really helps drive the the, the social element of telework and make sure that people stay engaged, they stay together using the technology, but also you know remember to keep them you know keep them included in a face to face way as well. And with that. I think we're we're pretty much ready to wrap it up. Thank you, Rachel, and thank you, Phil. It's been wonderful and a pleasure uh, sharing the the, uh, digital lectern and podium with with you guys. So thank you very much. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Anywhere Office podcast. For more information and other tips on working from anywhere, visit us at theanywhereoffice.com. We hope you've enjoyed and found value in this 13-week podcast series, Telecommuting in the 21st Century, How to Implement or Improve Virtual Teams and Flexible Work in Your Organization. Armed with the ideas, tips, and best practices we shared over the 13 sessions, you can now develop a telework plan that will dynamically change where and how you and your people work. We wish you the utmost success in embracing telework in your organization and enjoying all the benefits it has to offer. And remember, work is something you do, not someplace you go. Thank you.